0: Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Is there anybody here that has, you have it in your heart, you'd like to be baptized next Sunday? Anyone that we could just see your hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? Come and see Pastor Nelson, if that's in your heart to do. Uh, Well, before camp meeting, Sunday before, I was teaching about Weaknesses and strengths, and uh, we all have weaknesses. Weaknesses are a deficiency, a defect that happens in our formation. Happens usually when we're really small, uh, and and uh, we all have them. And um, God doesn't want us just to lay down and just say, "Yeah, that's a fact. I have this weakness." He wants us to go use that weakness as a, as a catalyst to go to strength. And so he graces us if we press into it. And so where you have that weakness, you can come into uh, an area of strength. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 34, part of faith was that they, they moved uh, from weakness to strength. It says that out of weakness were made strong. And that's the goal. And so we all have these, these things in our character, things, issues. Uh, and what we talked about two Sundays ago is, is weaknesses are not sins. You don't treat a weakness like a sin. And you don't treat a sin like a weakness. They're a whole different thing, and uh, we have to understand ourselves. We have to learn, and we have to understand that the person we're, we're married to has weaknesses, and as you understand their weaknesses and why they are the way they are, you live with them with understanding, and, and uh, we came to that out of 1 Peter 5, 7, last time we spoke. So I just want to take this a little further this morning. Uh, we, one of the examples of weaknesses, I, my, my dad died when I was a year old. My mom raised us. Uh, all these kids, no money. And uh, um, we just had a, a lot of fear growing up in our household. My mom was very afraid. She just felt very insecure. And uh, there were times when she trusted the Lord and, and, and moved from fear to trust. That's what David said. David said, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so that would happen periodically. But the thing about a a weakness is it never goes away. It's always below the surface. Even when you move to grace, moves you to a strength, and you get there, and and you enjoy living above that that weakness, it's still there. It's always there. I don't think it ever goes away. And periodically, you'll you'll need to go back and revisit that and press in for more revelation, more understanding of yourself. Uh, more understanding of your spouse. Uh, and, and as Christians, we all have weaknesses, and the more we get to know each other, we find out each other's weaknesses. And then we have to find understanding how to live together with each other, accepting each other in spite of those weaknesses. And so, uh, when I, I talked about fear, um, here's another one. So, we find that we, our lives are a mess, uh, there's no order. There's no discipline. We meet Jesus and we become disciples and the main factor in just being a disciple is discipline. And all of a sudden, order comes into our life and we become disciplined. But if, if, if you lose the grace to stay above that, you need to go back to the Lord and, and get more grace and more understanding but if you don't and you say I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps I'm going to press in I, I mastered this thing I had strength in this area I was weak I had, I had strength and, and you decide that you're just going to go for it out of your own ability you'll come into legalism it always works that way Another one, for example, say you you had no real skills in a certain area, you were deficient in that area, and then you found grace and you become strong in a certain area, you have a skill skill now, and uh, say that skill is, um, you know, something that comes into excellence, it's really working, and then something happens where that weakness starts showing up again, rather than going back to God for grace and more strength, you come into a thing called perfectionism. And perfectionism will drive you crazy <clears throat> and will drive everybody else crazy. That's, that's you trying to make what only grace can do to try to cover or deal with or overcompensate for that weakness. It happens all the time. Another example is we had no discernment. Then all of a sudden we cultivate an ability to see and discern and say, oh, I get that. Now I know what's behind that. And it's possible that that's, that was a weakness and now it's a strength. And then you, you start to lose that strength. And rather than press it in for more grace again, you start moving into becoming judgmental. Next thing you know, you're critical of everything and you see every fault. Every, everything is, everything is uh, spiritualized. And it become, you become judgmental. We weren't spiritual. We became spiritual. But we have to keep going back to the Lord again. And, and when you see someone who's super spiritual, where they spiritualize everything, is they're trying to be spiritual in their own strength. And they just super spiritualize everything. So we're not prophetic, and then we, we, we realize that God wants to speak through us. He wants to use us to encourage other people, and so we start moving in the prophetic. And it's possible that now that strength can be overplayed where you're hyper-prophetic. Everything is a word from the Lord. You see, you have visions every day, dreams every night, and it just becomes, it becomes a man-made thing. There's no grace in it. It's just It's just you and when we see that among ourselves and we will it will happen you'll say boy you know you were you had nothing in that area then you had some spirituality some revelation but now you're just you're just getting weird you're just going you're going too far you're taking that too far well rather than going back and saying lord i loved what you did and I need another round of that. I need to go deeper. I need, I need another revelation. I need another experience in that area. Rather than going back to the Lord, it's, you're out there on your own. And it just gets to be super spiritual. Here's one more example. And I know you're getting it, so I'll stop here. But you have no grace. Then you press in for grace, and grace becomes everything. You find out how good the Lord is. And you just love this concept of grace. And it's possible to take that to the nth degree where it becomes hyper grace, where there's no chastening, there's no dealings of the Lord, there's no reproof from the Lord. Well, that's you taking a good thing, a strength, to an extreme. And we all do it. We all do it periodically. When we recognize that in ourselves, we need to stop and say, I need to get back to the Lord. I need, a, I need to press in again. I need a, a another round of experience in that area. Just recognizing it in yourself. So let me ask you, what are you good at? What are you good at that you weren't good at before you met the Lord? You, you know, it may be that... Uh, your finances were wrecked, and God taught you about tithing and God taught you about financial discipline. And then after a while, you become so frugal you you pinch every penny. It just it, it drives everybody crazy because you've gone too far. What is it that you're good at that you're you got from the Lord, that you're at risk now of taking to an extreme unless you stay in grace, unless you keep going back to the Lord? What is it that He taught you? What is it He showed you? Think of David. David became known as a man of integrity, sterling integrity. Probably, probably that's what separated him from all the other kings. But during the springtime and the kings go to war, David stayed home. He was a warrior, but he stayed home. And he's out on the rooftop, and next thing you know, he sees Bathsheba. And it starts this whole thing where you, you start looking at David over the next year. And you read what he wrote about that period in the Psalms. And one of the things you see is you saw a man who had sterling integrity lying and covering, deceiving, tricking his own men, tricking tricking uh, his mighty men, killing his mighty men. I mean, it just, it went to the point of murder in an area that David was super strong in at one time. Next, you know, he's, he's covering and he's murdering out of that area that was a, a, a grace-filled area. Well... The reason I'm telling you all this is the Lord spoke to me this week during camp meeting. We're all praying. How many were praying the Lord would speak to you? I, I heard a lot of people say, Well, the, I got something from the Lord. He said something. Well, I was praying too. And I felt like the Lord spoke through, through uh, Bill Vanderbush something that I, I thought it'd be good to bring out and share here. Uh, <clears throat> he was talking about being offended. And that uh, uh, we, can get, we can get offended at God. We can get offended because we're disappointed. We were praying for something. It didn't happen. We become, a, we become offended and become bitter, become resentful. And bitterness <clears throat> is a poison. Bitterness will wreck your spiritual life. Bitterness is a poison. It's toxic. In fact why don't we do this uh, go to the next chapter Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 look at verses 14 and 15 he says pursue peace with all people so all is the operative word and holiness because they're what's more important peace with all men or holiness I I don't know they're both super important without which no one will see the Lord Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So the thing about bitterness that's that's fascinating is it's a root. You don't normally see bitterness. You see the fruit of bitterness. The fruit of bitterness is anger. Well, it's resentment. So I I didn't recognize bitterness. It wasn't in my vocabulary. But I could see resentment, smoldering resentment, where you're angry and you're chafing and uh, frustrated over that thing. And it comes to your mind. It brings up all kinds of negative feeling. And uh, you start speaking bad about it. And next thing you know, it creates trouble, for you spiritual trouble spiritual agitation but also it can wreck your life spiritually it can cause you to walk away from the lord it can cause you to walk away from the church walk away from fellowship walk away from a marriage walk away from relationships it'll create trouble the next thing he says is it defiles many and that word defiles is the same as being unclean it's used when it's talking about sexual sin so that you become defiled through sexual sin, where you become unclean. It's the same word that has to do with unclean spirits, evil spirits. And it's possible to become just as unclean through bitterness as through sexual sin. In fact, I've seen at different times that when one person struggles in one area, it happens in the other area. So you have a resentment toward your dad, toward your mom, towards spiritual authority in your life. And next thing you know, it opens you up to spiritual trouble that you're you're over here trying to deal with this and put these fires out. And next thing you know, it opens you up to evil spirits influence in, in your life. And you're trying to put those fires out, not recognizing there's a root from that going all the way back to a time when you were so angry at what someone did or someone said that that's where it all started and you don't always connect those two things, because it's a root. You have to look at the fruit. The fruit is everything. The fruit takes you back, say, okay, I, I can see it at work in my life. Well, all of that to say, years ago, um, if you had sat me down and said, "Pen, do you have bitterness in your life? I would say, no, I, I, don't, I don't struggle with bitterness. I live on the sunny side of the street. I don't see myself as a dour, sour, discouraged, kind of resentful, petty person. And then the Lord tried to set me free. Someone gave me a cassette tape. This, this, this dates this story. And the cassette tape, they had filmed, we didn't have television or uh, any, any way of uh, Like we weren't hooked up the cable or anything, didn't have a dish, so we did. There's a lot of stuff we didn't see, and this woman filmed on her cassette tape one television Christian television show right after the other. She just filmed it. She loved it. She she filmed it, and there was something on there. There was one show that she wanted me to see, and she said, "I, "I I." recorded this, I want you to see the show, and so she gave it to me, and so I watched the show because she asked me to. But then I just kept going to see what else she recorded with other shows, and there's this there's a woman on there named Bunny, and, and um, Bunny is talking about bitterness. So I just fast-forwarded because I, I, I don't need that. I don't have a problem with bitterness. Then I stopped, and I thought, well, what if I get counseling someone who does have bitterness? I better know what what to do. And so I went back to Bunny and, and she's saying, uh, we're going to take the bitterness test. So I got a piece of paper and a pen and I sat down at the coffee table to take Bunny's uh, bitterness test. And I failed. <laughs> I failed the bitterness test. And I sat back. I couldn't believe it. I, I bombed. I I had bitterness. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't deny it because the fruit was there. It shocked me. I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I I did not know I had an area of my life that I struggled in that with bitterness. I I was embarrassed. I thought I was beyond that. But none of us are beyond offense. We get offended at each other. We get offended in our marriages, we get offended with people who disappoint us, we get offended with church. If if I'll tell you this, if there was a revival among people who used to go to church, our churches could never contain all the people who'd come back, not unbelievers, not not revival among unbelievers, believers who've left the church because they were offended at something a Christian said or did, or some pastor said or did, and they've left the church. It's created trouble. It's defiled them, just like a, a major sin would defile them. Well, all the fast- forward, if we can. Move, use your remote, get, move along. So Pastor Bill, he's standing up here this week, and, and he's talking about resentment and, and uh, bitterness, being offended, and I saw it. I saw it by the fruit. I recognized, boy, I was I was so good in that area. I I took that apart, I repented, I even wrote a book about it. That's how good I was in that area. And then the Lord shined his light on me as only he can and said, Here's the whole area where you've let down your guard and bitterness has come in. You know it was. I hate the president. I hate our governor. I hate a lot of politicians. I hate I hate what they say, how they operate, how they do now i would I would be guarded in in my heart of hating you or hating a believer or hating my wife or ha- hating someone who's hurt me, someone who's offended me i I've gotten that discipline i i I have grace in that area. I have strength in that area. What I let my guard down is, I hate the president. And when he'd come on, I would mock him. I, 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 would, I want him to fail. I can't tell you the glee I got over the resignation of our governor. I, I knew that would happen. I, ha- I hope that would happen. So here I am guarding against resentment and bitterness in the church <laughs> and there 's this huge political area that i it 's just you could drive a truck through the hole that I left unguarded, and I felt like I felt like something was troubling me in my spiritual life, and I was asking the Lord to deal with help me with these areas over here, not realizing that that something had happened in my- heart where I felt like I was entitled to spew my opinions and spew my sarcasm and spew my hatred. I felt that was okay to do that because that's not church. That's not church people. That's not spiritual. And you could drive a truck through the, the, the opening that I left in my gates for the enemy to come in, and I never saw it. Then once I saw it, well, then I could hear my own words. I could see my own sarcasm. I could see my resentment. I could I could play back videos that I made of my imagination of, of wishing them harm, wishing that they'd be taken out, wishing that it would be done in the in the most obvious, visible way. It's resentment. It's bitterness. No matter no matter which area it was in my life. But I'm standing here and the Lord's just showing me that's, that's bitterness no matter what. I don't think it's wrong to take a stand and I don't think it's wrong to resist authority. But I think it's wrong to resent it to a place that it hurts your life spiritually and the, and the people who are listening to you. I think we, in the days to come, we have to find out how to take a stand, how to have a position, how to speak for truth, how to stand up and say what's true and say, say what's right without the resentment, without it becoming toxic, without it spewing poison, without it becoming venomous, without it hurting our spiritual life. There has to be a way to say no to this. I'm not going to comply with this. I'm resisting this without the resentment now I don't know how to do that very well because I just this just happened this week but I thought I think there might be a few other people who might have that same issue that if I showed you the root you could might connect the fruit to your own life and it might help you to deal with that in a way that I want. I don't feel I've changed I don't feel like I've I don't feel like I've had enough grace in that area, I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a, a grace-filled person in that area. I'm just not there right yet. Anyone else? Anyone else struggling? Anyone else in the same boat? Anyone else going in the same direction? You don't even have to put up your hand. But acknowledge it, acknowledge it because it's toxic. Back in the 1980s, late 80s Gorbachev was the pre- president of of the Soviet Union Reagan was our president and there was this huge thing it's hard to imagine now how huge it was how it was the it was Taliban on steroids it was it was beyond big bigger than anything I could even compare it to today of how, how ominous, how, how awful the Soviet Union was and the threat of nuclear war and the threat, the arms race and all of that. And it, it felt like, and they projected that they were impenetrable, they were undefe- indefeatable, undefeatable, uh, they were They were gonna wipe us out. I mean, it was such a huge, huge thing, constant, constant thing. And then one day, <laughs> A teenager from Germany named Matthias Rust took a small Cessna plane from Helsinki that he rented, and he flew into Soviet airspace and flew into Russia, the most heavily guarded airspace in the world. And he flew right past everything and landed just short of red square he almost taxied he wanted a taxi up to the steps of the kremlin they had taken out some um some wires for the trolley cars that morning and then put them back that night and so he just he just was, he just got in just under the wire well when the whole world found out that this kid flew into the heaviest guarded airspace in the world and flew right in and taxied right up. In fact, they they have terminal one, terminal two, and and they decided to call, mocking, uh, the Russians themselves would mock and said, Red Square is terminal three. He was arrested after people were getting his autograph as he sat there in the plane, and they were shocked. They had no idea how this could possibly happen. They have MiGs, and they have all this, they have missiles, they have all, every way you can track, every way that you can prevent this from happening, and it happened. Gorbachev, well, heads were going to roll. He fired all his top generals, which allowed for him to put forth his more moderate Uh, perestroika, and freedom, and openness, the next thing you know, you know the whole story, Uh, and people give Gorbachev credit for uh, that, they give Reagan credit for that, they give a lot of different things credit for it, but what about that teenage boy named Rust, who flew in there, and it's so broke the bubble, it broke the illusion, it countered everything that they had to say about themselves, it it became such a shock to the whole world, especially to the Russians, that this could possibly happen. And it was the beginning of the end because an unguarded strength is a double weakness. Where you think, I got that covered, I have strength in that area. Yeah, that's, that's nothing's going to happen to that. I've grown. I've learned. That's, that's my strength. That's what I'm known for. And then you leave that unguarded. It becomes a double weakness. The enemy can just walk right in there and, and damage a lot in your life. I think it was Mark Twain who said, if you get a reputation for being an early riser, you can sleep till noon. What are you known for? What do, you, what do people hold you in regard for that you got from the Lord? I mean, you didn't have anything. It was, it was a flat, barren field in that area, but then grace happened, strength kicked in. Out of weakness, you became strong. What are you known for? Maybe, maybe you're known for prayer and intercession. Well, if you were, you got grace in that area. You weren't a prayerful person before. You got grace in that area. Well, that area of prayer will go through some battles. And next thing you know, you can hardly pray. And yet you have a reputation for being this person who's always wanting to pray. And you, you're going to have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm embarrassed and he said if you could hear him he would say don't be embarrassed this is how i grow christians you need to come back to the lord for a refilling you need to come back to the lord for re tooling you need to come back to the Lord to be strengthened again you need to come back for fresh revelation fresh insight fresh understanding it keeps you tied to him otherwise it's you you could boast and say well I'm so good in this area and you're not there's something wrong with you and and I can't even fellowship with you because you're not so great in that area you just become you become proud of something that God did in your life and that'll bring you down I think the fact that you come back to weakness and your your that weakness is, is revealed again. I think that's a godsend. I think that's a plus. I don't think the Lord will ever condemn me for that. I think I think He'd say, "Good, okay, now you're, you I I graced you in that area, and whatever happened, it's no longer happening. Grace isn't happening. Come back, and I'll grow you again. Come back in humility that says." I need help in this area. Come back in humility that says, God, you did something before. Would you do it again? But an unguarded strength where you just think, well, uh, yeah, I got that taken care of. (laughs) So I'm standing here, and I realize I've got resentment that's so strong, so awful. I have imaginations of how I want People to be taken out. How could I how could I let that happen to me? I would never let that happen in my thought life towards a brother or a sister or towards an enemy, a beloved enemy in the church. Because I've 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 cultivated an awareness. But he got me. Would you like to take the bitterness test? Anyone interested in taking the bitterness test? You can it's here, but let's let's take a couple minutes. How do you feel when your beloved enemy, someone you had conflict with, how do you feel when you hear their name? Or they walk in the room? Do you turn? Do you feel that icy stiffness, ice cold feeling come over you, and you say, Oh, I you know, you hear their name or you see them, you get a glimpse of them, and you react and it's not out of your head I mean you just you just turn your heart from them and if it was someone that you were friends with and passionate and you had connection on life and love and you you had this connection, and then something happens that they did something or something how somehow it broke down, and then you hear about them, and then your heart stiffens and 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 you don't want them to be successful. You don't want them to succeed. You don't want to hear a good thing about them. You kind of delight in the fact that something bad happened to them. That's bitterness. Someone that you're passionate about before, but now you're indifferent. I could care less. They could, they could. I don't care if they live or die. That's an indication that there's floating resentment in your life. What comes out of your mouth, how you speak about them, how you feel it's really important to tell others about their faults and their failures and their weaknesses, the things that you don't, things they did that offended you, and to retell that story over and over and over again. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat down with people in counseling and they just want to rehearse the offense, the thing that that person did. They don't even want a solution, they don't even want a way out, they just want to rehearse that again. They found another person who would be willing to listen. That's a sign of bitterness and resentment. That anger, anger comes up or or you become depressed just thinking that they could go on with their lives without paying some kind of price where you avoid them. It's bitterness. Let's look at one more verse and we'll stop. I know it's getting late. Ephesians. Here's what Paul So. Here's what Paul said, because this is just so common to men. This is is something that happens to everybody. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verses 30 down to 32. Ephesians 4, 30, 31, 32. Listen to this. So it's an ancient problem. It's it's not just present-day church. It's ancient church. It's early church. And he says to them... Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for uh, uh, necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Try to, do, try to apply this verse in a political conversation. <laughs> That's really hard to do. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the issue. The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness All is the operative word. That's the word you circle. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away with you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, Como's a man. He's a man who needs Jesus. The more I resisted and resented, the less I prayed. The less I wanted his salvation. The less I wanted him in heaven. I wanted him in other places. That's not allowed. As a grace-filled man, that's not. That's not to be in my heart. And, and you could say, well, it's okay because it's over in this area, but how do you turn it off and dial it down when you're dealing with a, maybe a problem person in, in my life over here or someone in the church or someone in my life that's doing something Como-ish? How, do how do I not transfer all that venom to them? Well, you, you don't. You don't. I think we need to be politically astute. I don't think we should have our head in the sand. I don't think we should lie down and let it happen. I think we should resist. I think we should stand. I think we should speak out. But not without the bitterness. The bitterness is poison. Poison for me. Does this make sense? I think it'll hurt our health. I think it'll hurt our spiritual health, our physical health. I think it can, I think it can, I think it can kill an on fire spirit. And there has to be a way, and I'm not sure how because it's early in the process for me. I'm not sure how, but I'll get understanding on this. I'll find a way. The Lord will grace me if, I'm, if I'll humble myself and be honest about it. So, can I admit this in front of you without, without you shutting me down, turning off the knob?